Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Well, it's 2020, isn't it? New year, new decade. I was reading an article by a guy, and he had, the title was basically Welcome to the Future, right? Because I think we've often thought about this idea of 2020 as kind of like being, man, so far in the future. The guy who, who wrote the article made some interesting points that, that caused me to pause for a minute. He said he's a child of the 80s, that he was born in the 80s. Anybody here born in the 80s? Like that's your, yeah, a whole bunch of people. So he said, look, if you're a child of the 80s like me, then, then it's good to get some perspective that those that are children today that are the same age you were in the 90s. So like if you were born in the 80s, the kids that are down in our kids' church or our youth ministry who are about the same age that you were in the 90s, think about what life is like for them. He says they'll remember Obama's presidency the way you remember Reagan's. 9-11 to them is the moon landing to you. The 90s seem as ancient to them as the 60s seem to you. To you, the 70s are just a little before your time, and that's how they think of the 2000s. They see the 70s how you see the 40s, and the hippie 60s seem as old to them as the Great Depression seems to you. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? And it gives us perspective, and it, it gives me, it gave me some pause when I read it because I was like, yeah. Like, people have different perspectives on life, and, and just this, like, life is always changing, right? So, so if that's the case, what do I have to do today so that when I look back on 2020, I know I've lived a life that's worth reflecting on, especially even for those generations beyond me? Like, it's interesting to think about that whole concept. How I live my life today is important for the future, which is why we're starting out this year with this series on the subject of prayer. We're working our way through concepts from the Lord's Prayer, how Jesus taught his disciples to pray in Matthew chapter six. Last week we talked about reasons why often we do not pray. Today I wanna really just kind of focus on the second verse of the Lord's Prayer. Next week we'll dig in a little bit more exactly like how we pray, what we pray for. But look at verse 9 and 10. Let's, let's start here. Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray, and he says this, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Can I give a little shout out to our tech team real quick? Like that, that, uh, that passage of scripture says, your kingdom come, your will be done, right? You know it says that? But the, the, the pastor puts the notes together and then sends them to them, and somehow, when I was editing it, I took the Y off of your, and it said, our kingdom come, which is heresy, <laughs> right? You can't say that. that. That wrecks the whole prayer, and they fixed it in between services. So just shout out to those people you never see who make things happen. That was, so yeah, absolutely. Thank them, because... Uh, they're, they're making it happen. So, but isn't that the problem? At some point, I have to decide, Lord, is it our kingdom or your kingdom? <laughs> like, which, which one am I seeking? Which one do I really want? See, God wants to bring his kingdom 
to your life. I think oftentimes when we pray that, especially that word kingdom, we think of it in these really grand scales, right? We think your kingdom come, and we think of it in a global sense. God, would you come and do what you want to do on the earth? And in an election year like 2020, right, we pray, God, your kingdom come, and by kingdom, we mean the person I want elected, <laughs> right? Or when we think about it in the context of the church, God, let your kingdom come to the church. And can I tell you, all of those are great ways to pray. God, that your will would be done, that your kingdom would come on earth in all those areas, the same way it is in heaven. But can I tell you this? All those other places don't mean a whole lot unless it starts in your life. Right? That prayer really begins with, God, let your kingdom come to my life. Let your will be done in my life, not, not just on this big scale outside of here, God's kingdom has to begin in me. See, God's kingdom will not come if we insist on being the king. Like, God's kingdom will not come if you say, well, I'm the queen, I'm the king. God has to be the king of your life. And God's will will not be done if we insist on doing our own will. Like, at some point, I have to be willing to say, God, your kingdom come to my life. God, your will be done in my life, this prayer begins with me. It doesn't begin with the U.S. Capitol. It doesn't begin with the White House. It doesn't begin with local government. It doesn't even begin with the church. It begins with me. God, your kingdom come in my life. So, so what I want to show you today is this passage of Scripture where Jesus is teaching the Lord's Prayer is, is, is kind of right in the middle. It's a small part of a larger passage of Scripture that we call the Sermon on the Mount. Have you heard about the Sermon on the Mount? And I want to show you some other principles that Jesus brings out in the Sermon on the Mount where he talks about this concept of God's kingdom coming into our lives, what it looks like for his kingdom to actually come into our lives. And I want to talk today about what would it mean if God's kingdom came into my life, not just my neighborhood or my government or my world, but letting God's kingdom come to me in 2020. I want to talk about letting God's kingdom come to me in 2020. And we're going we're gonna to use an analogy today, not just concepts from the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, but we're going to use the analogy of our bodies today so we can kind of physically have, have um, places where we can hang these concepts of, of what we're talking about as we think about what would it mean for God's kingdom to literally come into my life in this year. Now, look, for, for some of you, we might look at some pretty basic stuff today, stuff where you're going to go, ah, I've heard this before. But Hebrews chapter 10 encourages us to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And that's what I feel kind of compelled today to do. I want to encourage you to do things that are right. And I want to share with you some things that have worked for me personally in some of these areas. And just to be super honest, I want to share with you some things that, that I know that I want to step up in my life in 2020. And I figure if there's areas where I want to see God's kingdom come to my life more in this next year, I'm going to guess that maybe that might be the same for some of you. So five things I want to show you about letting God's kingdom come into my life in 2020, come into our lives. The first one is this, let your kingdom come to my head, God. Like that first prayer is, God, let, let your kingdom come to my head. And there's, there's a whole lot here from the neck up that we can talk about. It's our eyes and what we look at. It's our ears and what we hear. It's our mouth and what words we speak and how those affect things. It's our brain and how we think about things. 
And we get real practical about what we do with our time and what we do with our leisure and what kind of music do we listen to and are we putting things into our lives and what we read and the music that we play and the things that we watch that lift us up and that do not bring us down. Like we, we talk about this a lot. Romans chapter 12 says this. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your, anybody? <laughs> your mind, and then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So when Jesus says, pray your will be done in my life, knowing God's will starts when you allow him to renew your mind. How does the Bible say that my mind is renewed? Psalm 119 verse nine. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. Ephesians chapter five verse 26 is talking about what Jesus has done for the church. And it says that Jesus has been at work to make her, that's the church, to make her holy cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. See, God's word does a work of empowerment and leading and guiding transformation, even cleansing in our lives. So the word of God brings God's kingdom to my mind. The word of God brings God's kingdom to my mind. So if I'm gonna pray, God, let your kingdom come to my head in 2020, it starts by me making God's word a priority in my life. Now, look, I, I know we're all at different places here. I'm going to guess for the vast majority of us, we would say, yes, God's word is important. And, and you might even say it's an important part of my life. And you might even say, I think it's important for me to read and interact with God's word. The bigger question is, though, do I do it effectively? Like, and some of us have strategies, like maybe some of you, 2020 was a year where you again said, you know, this year I'm, I'm going to be more consistent in reading God's word, or I'm going to start a new plan, or I'm going to the famous one, and I'm going to read through the Bible this year. You know, we, we set up these goals for ourselves. Can I tell you, though, it's not enough to just hear and, 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 and read God's word. We have to listen to it and then respond to it. We have to apply it to our lives. Look, I, I'll just be real honest. For, for some of us, we have a plan, or we know it's important to read God's word, and so we take God's word and we read that chapter or we read that portion so we can check it off on our list and know that we did it. And then we close our Bible and we get right to the next thing and start doing the dishes. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like it's just, it's more like a to-do list item than it is an opportunity for God's kingdom to come to my life. And there are times when I'll read God's word, but I'm thinking about dinner. Anybody? Right? And so how do I make sure that I'm interacting with God's word? Because it's alive. Right, this, this isn't just you know, headlines. It's not just another form of literature. If we'll allow God's word, it will transform and change our lives. So let me encourage you with just a couple of things. First, like if you're gonna let God's kingdom come to your heart, and, and, and track with me here for a moment, because I, I, I really do believe this is critical. Like if, if you wanna start somewhere in seeing God do more in your life in the year ahead, this you cannot neglect. This isn't your homework. This isn't a duty. This isn't an obligation. This is literally your chance to interact with the living word from God on a regular basis. Isn't that cool? Like that's where relationship comes from. You know, you know how I knew there was something special between me and Rhonda? She was willing to talk to me. That hadn't always happened in my life. But when that communication happened, something special happens. 
right? It starts with, it starts with God's word. So let me encourage you, like, like, do this. And I know for some of you, you already do this, but let me encourage you. Decide what you are going to read in the Bible. Like, like make a decision and go, this is, this is what I'm going to read. If every time you go to read your Bible, you just kind of pick up the book and go, suppose I ought to start somewhere. This book can be intimidating, right? Like, there's a lot here. And a lot oftentimes that we don't understand because maybe it's been written in a different time, a different culture. And so it's helpful for you to have some kind of plan. Your plan should not be this. All right, God, send me somewhere, right? Don't do that. Anybody ever done that? <laughs> it's not that effective. Like, find a plan. You, you might find a strategy where you want to try to read through the Bible in a year. Or there's so many great tools there's an app that if you, if you use it on your phone, your tablet, or if you even just go to Bible.com, if you just search from Bible, it comes from a resource called Life.Church. It's, where, it's the resource that you can use as an app that we post our sermon notes there every Sunday that you can follow along right through that app under their events page. They have literally hundreds of Bible reading plans from things that will take you through the whole Bible in a year to topics, if you say, I, I really want to study about love, or I want to study about forgiveness, or I want to study about hope, like there's, there's things there. If you're looking for something short, or if you're looking for something long, you can find all kinds of tools that are there to help you. And can I encourage you with this? Especially if you're using some kind of reading plan where, where you're trying to kind of move through maybe the Bible in a year or something like that. Where I can be guilty sometimes is I can, I can read on Wednesday... And then I missed it and got distracted on Thursday. Man, I was busy on Friday. And so I get to Saturday before I'm getting back to my reading plan. Anybody ever been there? Come on. Anybody ever been there? You're all so holy, right? And so, so I get to that place, and then I'm like, oh, man, three days behind. I don't know that I can catch up. And because I don't think I can catch up, I start to give up. And you know what I've started to do? I'm just going to pick up. <laughs> I'm just going to start back where I am and not be stressed about what I left behind and just make sure and say, God, I just want to hear from your word today. Does that make sense? Because I don't want you to get distracted. I don't want you to, I don't want you to get, give up. So decide what you're going to read and then, and then do this. Read what you're going to read in the Bible. I know a lot of people are like, man, I'm reading this plan. It's taking me through the Bible in a year. What month is it? June. When was the last you read? February, right? Well, no, you're not doing it. Like, it's okay to have a plan, but then read it. Like, like, do this. Decide when you're going to read. It might be different in different days. You, you might be an early morning person. You might be a lunch break person. You might be a, a, an evening person. But decide when. And I would, even, I would even challenge you. Like, decide where. Like, like, I've got places in my house and in my office here at the church that when I take that time to read God's word, it helps me to, like, sit in a certain place. Because it's like when I sit in that place, I'm, I'm saying, God, in this moment, I'm not focusing on anything but your word. Like there's something just powerful about that physical place. And I would even encourage you, like decide who's going to know whether you read or not. Like it can be helpful to have somebody, whether it's your spouse or a friend, something that's going to help to keep you accountable in that. So decide what you're going to read, read what you're going to read, like actually do it, and then apply what you have read in the Bible. Like, apply it in your life. Like, we can be super guilty of, of reading God's word. It might even be powerful what you read. And then you go, man, that was good. That was good. Close your Bible, and then you walk away, and you never think about it again throughout the day. Anybody ever done that? You're so holy. <laughs> right? I do. Like, you read it, 
And then you close your Bible and you walk away. I read a book quite a few years ago called The Divine Mentor by Wayne Cordero. I cannot recommend that book to you enough. The Divine Mentor by Wayne Cordero. One of the top books that I've read in my life in the way that it affected me and especially in the way that I think and read God's word was super helpful to make reading God's word a powerful part of my life, not just to read it, but to let it change me when I read it. Wayne Cordero's book, The Divine Mentor, and he teaches a method for applying and interacting with scripture called the SOAP method. And you you may have heard this before. Real quick, I wanna walk you through it because for a lot of us, we might go, well, I know I should read the Bible, but I don't know what to do with it when I do. It's called the SOAP method, S-O-A-P. Here's how that works. The S stands for scripture, right? So after you read a chapter, let's say, you read a chapter, then you go back and you ask yourself the question, what is the verse that I want to apply in my life from what I read? And did you notice it wasn't what are all the concepts and it wasn't like what were all the verses? It narrows your thinking down to just one verse. Because there's times when I might read scripture and there might be four or five things that stand out to me but I'm only gonna be able to remember and react to one. Anybody else? You're so holy. <laughs> like I, I, need, I need to bring it down and go, what's, what's the one verse? What's the one thought I'm gonna walk away from this? And then the letter O in soap is observation. Like what is the meaning of this verse? What do I observe here? Like what is this verse teaching? What is it saying to the people who it was written to? The letter A is application. Like, how does this verse apply to my life? Like, what am I supposed to do with it? Not just what does it mean, but what does it mean to me? And then the letter P is prayer. What is my prayer in response to this verse? Like, how am I going to respond and go to God and say, God, will you help me with what you've been speaking to me through this passage? Okay, so here's what we're going to do. On January 19th, starting a new series of messages that we're calling our Life Change Initiative. And we're, we're looking at a church, as a church, at the bold moves that we believe God has ahead for us in the future. And as a part of that, and as a way for us to kind of launch into this new year, I want to invite you to join with us all together on 40 days of prayer. And you say, Chad, why 40 days? Well, 40 is a significant biblical number. Have you ever noticed this in Scripture? That multiple times when God does something in someone's life, oftentimes he's done it with Moses, with Jesus. You see it multiple times in this series of 40 days. And so we're going to take these 40 days from Tuesday the 14th of January. So not this Tuesday, but next Tuesday. From that Tuesday through February 23rd, I'm going to ask you to set aside that time as a special time of prayer. In particular, not just for what God wants to do in your life, but what God wants to do in our church And a part of that is each week, we're going to Monday through Friday take some passages of scripture and individually be reading the same thing together as a church. So like what we we teach and preach about on Sunday mornings, then there's going to be scriptures that we talked about on that Sunday that then we're going to encourage you to read through in that next week. And they're going to apply to the things that we're talking about, what we believe God is doing in our life as a church. So you're going to receive a journal when you come to church next Sunday. And that journal is going to be a tool to help us to walk through these 40 days of prayer together. And it's going to have this SOAP model that's in there. So every day, and I know some of you, like you already have your own Bible reading plan, and I don't want you to derail from that. If you're committed to that, that's cool. 
But if you could add this, or if you could join with us, or if maybe you've never done anything like this consistently, honestly, take this 40-day challenge. I believe it'll change your life and, and really impact your relationship with God. Each day, Monday through Friday, there's going to be one chapter that we're going to read together as a church and then encourage you individually to respond using this SOAP method. So let me show you what I'm talking about. This is a page from the journal. Let me show you what it'll look like. So just real simple. It's going to look like this. This is the first day. So it's January 14th. We're going to read Matthew chapter 4 because those first few days we're going to read through the Sermon on the Mount, which is what we're talking about is a part of the Lord's Prayer. So we're going to read through that. Matthew chapter 4. So because one of my uh, hopes for 2020 is that I can not procrastinate as much, I went ahead and did the one for January 14th. Okay? And let me show you what I did. So I read through Matthew chapter 4, and, and I chose one verse that really seemed to speak to me through that. Matthew 4, 4. Jesus answered, it's written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. I, and you, you just take and you write that verse out under that S uh, scripture portion. Why write it out? It's in your Bible. Because I think when you write it out, it gets in your head better. Isn't that true? Like it, it sticks out in a certain way. I honestly believe that there's times when you're interacting with God's word that a pen works like an antenna. Right? It just it connects you to what God's trying to communicate. So then, letter O, I just observed some things. God's word brings life to us. It gives us wisdom and strength for every day. It is our response for standing against temptation. Here's something good for you to know. We're, we're not going to check your journal every Sunday. So you don't have to use full sentences. Punctuation and spelling is not important. You can jot down some thoughts. This is a tool to help you apply and interact with God's word for your life. So the letter O is, is observation. The letter A is application. So then I wrote down what, what this scripture, not just what I felt like it meant, but what did it mean for me? Do you want to see what I wrote? It's none of your business. No, it's right here. It's right here. I wrote, I need to be careful that I do not neglect God's word in my life. Busy schedules and other things can take the place of God's word, but will not satisfy or provide the life that only scripture can bring. True? Right? So that, that's, that's the, the, the thing that I felt like God was putting in my heart. And so then the last thing, I just wrote down a quick prayer. And again, it's just between you and God, right? Father, help me to keep uh, time in your word as a priority this year. May your word keep my faith strong and my heart set on you. And I, I suppose technically there's supposed to be an amen. I'm not sure. <laughs> I didn't put it there. Because it's just between me and God. Right, so this is a great tool to do more. So here's what happened. You know how long that took me? Maybe five minutes. Can you find another five minutes? Because what it did was it forced me to not just go, oh God, thanks for your word. I hope I remember something. But it caused me to walk away when I closed that journal and say, God, I know the direction that your spirit is leading me as a result of your word. It matters because God's word brings his kingdom to our hearts. I woke up this morning and uh, noticed that I had a notification on my phone that I'd gotten an email in the middle of the night. And so I opened the email, and it said that one of my online accounts had been hacked. Like it said, we noticed you changed your email address associated with this account at 3.37 this morning. I know where I was at 3.37, and I was not taking care of accounts in my sleep, Right? Plus, I don't know where this email is from. And so it said, if you did not do this, please call. Guess what I did early this morning? I called 
And I said, look, I did not do this. And they're like, well, it looks like maybe your account's been hacked. Here's what we'll do. We'll change the email back. You're going to want to make some modifications. And she says, let me take a look at your account. So she started looking at what other activity had happened. Fortunately, she says, it's really good that you called this early, good that you could change it this quick, because there's not been any changes that have been made to your account other than someone was trying to get access and change the email thing. So you did the right thing. Thanks for calling. We're all good to go. I'm glad I called, don't you think? I'm glad I caught that, don't you think? I'm glad for that email, because if I hadn't gotten that email, I would not have known that my account, that my system was being hacked. And who knows what it might have cost me if I had not caught that. God's word works like that email in our lives. Because our culture, our world, ourselves are always trying to hack into our system. Does that make sense? They're trying to change our settings. Our culture tries to manipulate the way that we think. My own sinful nature will get off track unless once in a while God can send me an email that says, you've been hacked. And you better do something about it now because if you don't do something about it now, it's going to cost you a whole lot more later. Does that make sense? See, God's word works like that email. That's why when I tell you God's kingdom comes to us through his word, it comes to our minds through his word, it makes all the difference. And if you will say, God, in 2020, I'm going to let your word guide my life, it can save you so much hassle down the line. So like, don't, don't miss, we're, we're spending longer on this first one than we will on the others. But don't miss this. Say, God, let your kingdom come to my mind. And then the second part of our body, if we're going to move down, let, let's do this. We'll start with our, with, with our heads. So we say, God, let your kingdom come to my, anybody? <laughs> Head, right? And then the second thing is, number two, let your kingdom come to my heart. Let your kingdom come to my heart. Your heart is the center of who you are. It, it, literally, it, it's, it's no coincidence that we use the terminology and say, look, uh, with all my heart or at my very heart or, or I give my heart to this thing. Like your heart physically is at your center, but it also is spiritually. That's why scripture says, Mark 12, 30, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. We're gonna come back to that verse in a couple of weeks. The heart is at the very center of who you are and prayer brings God's kingdom to my heart. When I pray, it brings God's kingdom to my heart. When I have communication with God, it brings his kingdom to my heart. That's why when Jesus is, is preaching the Sermon on the Mount, right at the center of this sermon, he talks about prayer and how essential it is for us. We don't have time today to, to really dig into this as much as I would like, but one of the things that we're gonna do next week, we'll talk a little bit more about what we pray for, like how we pray. And then starting with our 40 days of prayer, like for the first week or so, we're gonna, we're gonna give some resources about this. Every day during those 40 days of prayer, we're gonna send out just a real quick video clip. We'll, we'll do it by social media, we'll do it on YouTube, that you'll be able to access those things. And for the first part of that, we're gonna talk about how do I pray effectively? Like how do I take the Lord's Prayer and use it as a model in my life to be able to pray effectively and hopefully through, through using that 40 days of prayer journal and those things that we're gonna be praying for the same things as a church and allowing God's word to affect us. So here's, here's how we pray. If I want God's kingdom to come, I say, God, let your kingdom start with my, anybody? Head. And then I say, God, let your kingdom come to my heart. Here's the third thing. Let your kingdom come to my stomach. Ooh, can I get an amen? 
For some of you, that is the most important part of you. Let your kingdom come to my stomach. When I was thinking about this message, I thought, what are the things that we talk about here? Like, where do we let our kingdom come? Here's what's really interesting. I didn't have to think about it. Jesus already put it there. Because like when you read through the Sermon on the Mount, he talks about prayer. And then the very next thing that he talks about is fasting. And he talks about how important it is that we're willing to say to God, God, there's times when I will set aside the thing that is at the center of my appetites. And I'll set that aside because I want to focus on you. If you're not familiar with the, with the spiritual discipline or the spiritual experience of fasting, it is really important and spiritually powerful. It's when you say, God, I'm, I'm going to take something and I'm going to set it aside for a season so that I can focus on you in some way, that my appetites will be directed by you and not by myself. It, it's a matter of great sacrifice. For many of us, when we talk about fasting, the, the first thing we think about is, is food, and most typically, that's it. I, I would really encourage you somewhere during these 40 days of prayer, like start thinking about it now, maybe even put it on your calendar, that somewhere during these, these 40 days of prayer that you'll say, God, I'm going to fast at some point during this season. Maybe it's just a meal. Maybe you're going to pick a day and say, God, on, on this day, I'm going to skip lunch and instead, I'm going to take that hour that I would give to lunch, and instead, I'm going to give it to your word and to prayer. God, I'm going to set aside my appetites so that I can hear from you, so that I can experience your presence in my life. Maybe it's a meal. Maybe it's a day. Maybe you're going to go, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to fast on this particular day. Or, or maybe even during those 40 days of prayer, you're going to say, hey, every Tuesday or every Thursday, I'm going to fast lunch, or I'm going to fast that day. Look, I know for some of us, because of our, our physical limitations, medical needs, it's not wise for us to fast in a certain way. Or if you, if you think you want to, maybe you should check with a physician first. But to say, God, how would you have me do this? Maybe you'll fast multiple days. Uh, oftentimes, somebody might do like a three-day fast of some kind. Maybe for some of you, food's not the issue. Maybe, maybe that's not where your appetites are driven. Maybe it's technology. And it would, it would be a good thing for you to fast from certain things, maybe from some entertainment or from social media. I can tell you one of the most powerful fasts I ever did was when I just decided to stay away from screens for a week. And the clarity that it brought to my mind. There's an interesting concept in the book of Isaiah where God basically says to the people, maybe you should fast from sin. Like for some of us, there's, there's certain things in our lives that we know they don't please God but we keep rationalizing them away or we keep giving in to that habit, maybe the best thing for us to push aside in this season is to say, God, I'm not gonna make any excuses during this next week. God, and I'm gonna choose to offer this to you. See, fasting is an act of sacrifice that positions us for intimacy with God. Fasting is an act of sacrifice that positions us for intimacy with God. And fasting is an act of worship that positions us for breakthrough from God. Fasting is an act of worship that positions us for breakthrough from God. If you're gonna choose to fast during this time, I'd, I'd challenge you maybe, uh, take some time to read Isaiah 58. We, we, again, don't have time to dig into it today, but the, the chapter is about God's view of fasting. And one of the things that it shows us is that God takes it seriously. And if you're looking for some kind of spiritual breakthrough in your life, 
Like, like if you need wisdom in some way or you need God to show up in some way or there's someone or something in your life where it seems like nothing's moving forward there and you're saying, God, I need a breakthrough here, I would encourage you to consider fasting. Now, this is important for you to know. When you fast, it does not manipulate God, right? You get that. It's not this deal where you go, God, I gave up ice cream, so you better do something. <laughs> See, fasting doesn't manipulate God. Fasting changes me, and it helps me to see his perspective. But I'll tell you this, I can, and, I, and I sat and, and did this as I was working on this message. I cannot think of a time in my life when I genuinely said to God, God, I'm going to set this time, this thing aside, and I'm going to fast and give this to you. I cannot think of a time in my life when I fasted and then did not see God move in response. Like, it is a powerful practice that when you come to God genuinely and say, God, I surrender this to you, the, the way it works in our lives and in our churches and in our families and in our home. Look, I'm, I'm sharing all this with you, and I know some of these are, are, are basic things. Some of you are like, I heard this in Sunday school. Some of you are like, this is Spiritual Disciplines 101. Like, I, I want something more. Can I tell you this? I'm sharing this with you because I know how important these things are and that I want, I want God's very best for you in 2020. Look, and some of you maybe have never heard this before. Some, some of you are going, fasting, I've heard about it, I've never done it. I, I thought it was like some diet thing. No, there's a spiritual sense to this, right? I want you to, to know these things. And then I also am convinced of this. I'm convinced a lot of you are sitting there going, I know this, and the Holy Spirit's saying, then why don't you do it? Right, that we would take these steps. And here's what I was reminded of through this whole preparation of this message, I had to be reminded that I'm not qualified to be the king of my kingdom. That I need to say to God, God, your kingdom come in my life. So if your kingdom's gonna come, then I need to be willing to be open to that. And so that's why I say, help me out here, let's, let's make sure we're remembering this. Lord, let your kingdom come to my head and to my heart and to my, okay, fourth one, you ready? Let your kingdom come to my hip. Okay? And you're like, what are you talking about? Well, talk about your hip for a minute. Some of you are like, well, it goes from my stomach to my hips. No, that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> if you have a purse, ladies, your purse most likely it hangs off your shoulder and then it kind of rests here against your hip. And I also know that my wallet sits right here against my hip. See, your hip is the closest part of your body physically to your finances. And my question is, have you let God's kingdom then come to your hip? Because that's where your money is. Unless, of course, maybe your money's closer to your heart. Have you let God's kingdom come to your finances? Ah, I knew he'd get to this, you said. <laughs> these preachers always do. How'd you come up with these five things you're talking about, Chad? You just think about the fact that you need more money? No, actually, I didn't bring this up. Jesus did. <laughs> I was reading the Sermon on the Mount, and it was interesting because he said, hey, let me talk to you about prayer. And, and then he said, hey, let me talk to you about fasting. And then as I'm reading Matthew chapter 6, the next thing he says is, hey, let me talk to you about where your treasure is. Because if my kingdom's going to come to your heart, one of the main things you've got to think about is where your treasure is. Because if your treasure is in your finances and in your possessions, then it's gonna be really hard for my kingdom to come there. Here's what Jesus said, Matthew chapter six, verse 24. He says, no one can serve two masters because either you will hate the one and love the other 
or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So I, I'm not saying this. Jesus is saying this, that as much as you need to make sure that his kingdom's coming to your head and your heart and your stomach, it's got to come to your hip as well. I just kind of like this little thing right there. <laughs> Probably going to need to go see a chiropractor here before this is done, right? Because have you let his kingdom come to your finances? I'll be really honest. One of the greatest barometers of whether or not Jesus is really Lord of your life shows up in your bank account because it shows up in the way that you save. And it shows up in how you view debt. It shows up in how you spend. And it shows up in how you give. Like all that fits into, into this concept and this idea. And I share this with you because I have seen this in, in years of ministry be such a pitfall for people. There was, a, there was a street fair recently in Riverside, California, and they had all these vendors and booths and food trucks and all this stuff going on. And one of the things that they had was this artist who was out there who was, was drawing um, caricatures of people. Do you know what I mean? Where you go and sit down in front of the guy, and then he draws like a cartoony-looking picture of you, and he draws your body real small, and then he draws your head real big. Do you know what I'm talking about? You know, you know what I mean? So this guy goes over, and he sits down in front of the guy and says, hey, I want you to draw me. And so the, the character artist is drawing him. He gets the picture all done like he's all finished. And as he's finished, the guy reaches over, steals the, the bag or box of money that the artist has, steals his money and runs away with it. Like he rips the guy off, takes about 500 bucks and leaves the picture of himself. <laughs> Not genius, right? So guess what law enforcement in Riverside, California has done? They've said, has anyone seen this man? He looks just like this with a head a little bit smaller, right? Because what he did was he stole the money, but he left his identity behind. And that's what I've seen so many people do in their lives. Like they get that moment to grab for the cash. They get that moment to get that possession. They get that moment to have more. And as a result, they deny who they really are. They leave behind who God created them to be. They forget what their identity is in Christ because they think it's all about the green that they can get a hold of. And that's why Jesus said, look, you, you gotta choose. You can't, you can't serve both. And I honestly believe this. God wants to bless us. He loves to financially prosper his people because he knows when you put him first then he can work through you, not just to bless you, but to bless others through you. Isn't that true? So look, I, I'm not bringing this up. Jesus is. And he's saying, look, one of the things that you need to think about is, is am I king of the kingdom of your hip, of your finances, of your money? If this is something that's important to you or God's speaking to you about, um, in two weeks on the 19th, we're, we're launching a seminar that's called Financial Hope. It's going to be on Sunday mornings, right after this service, actually, during the, during the third service, during the 1145 service. It's going to meet in room 103 just around the corner here, and it's going to be teaching. There's going to be coaching, talking about physical, uh, financial stewardship principles, budgeting, saving, debt management, giving, planning for the future. So many times when we hear that there's going to be teaching about biblical uh, finances, we think, well, it must be for those who are really rich, so that's not me, or it must be for those who are really struggling financially, so that's not me, when actually, if you've never walked through good teaching on what the Bible says about finances, let me encourage you, this would be an incredible thing. It's a seven-week seminar. You can sign up out at the hub, or you can jump online and sign up. It may be a critical part for you of allowing God's kingdom to come to that part of your life. All right, quick review. Here we go. 
I want to let God's kingdom come to my, and to my, and to my, and to my, and to my hands and feet. Last one, number five. Let your kingdom come to my hands and feet. Remember, I'm not making this stuff up, right? This is Jesus' list. He says, I want to talk to you about prayer, and then I'm going to talk to you about fasting, and then I'm to talk about your treasure, your finances. And then he starts talking to them about what they're going to do with it all. He starts calling them to action. And he starts pointing out some of the things that could keep them from this. See, action brings God's kingdom to my life. When I actually do something with what he said to me, when I respond to what God is speaking to me about, when I let him be king of my life, it's going to spur me on to do more things. The problem is, and Jesus spends a lot of time at the end of Matthew 6 talking about this, fear will keep God's kingdom from my life. If I'm not careful, fear will keep God's kingdom from my life. And Jesus talks about this. He says, some of you are so worried that you're frozen in fear. You have paralysis from analysis. And he says, look at the birds. They're, they're taken care of. And he says, look at the flowers. They're taken care of. And he says, don't you know your father loves you so much more? He, he's going to take care of you so much more? So whatever it is that, that would bring God's kingdom to your life, don't let fear keep you from God's kingdom in your life. Matthew chapter 6, verse 27, Jesus says, can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? He says, you can waste a lot of hours, but at some point you need to say, God, I, I submit and surrender my fear, my anxiety, my worry. For some of you, the, the, the greatest souvenir you have from 2019 are the worries that you've drug into 2020. And God would say to you, do you trust me? Will you let my kingdom come to those parts of your life? Because fear will keep God's kingdom from my life, but focus will bring God's kingdom to my life. Where I focus my attention, where I put my mind, where I put my heart, where I put my stomach, where I put my resources, where I put my hands and feet, focus will bring God's kingdom to my life. This 12-year-old boy named Caden, he... Uh, he lives just outside of Dallas in McKinney, Texas. And his parents asked for a list of what he wanted for Christmas this year. And one of the things he put on his list was a magnifying glass. His mom and dad thought, that's interesting. It's kind of a cool little thing to ask for. And so they, they got him one for Christmas. This is an exact quote from his mom. She said, we thought, oh, he wants to magnify something. Then she said, no, he wanted to see if he can make fire with it. And so they give this little 12-year-old dude a magnifying glass. They asked him later why he wanted it, and he said, I just wanted to start a little fire. That's why he asked for it. How many of you, especially those of you who used to be little boys, go, yeah, I get it. Anybody? <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> Guilty as charged, right? And so after they've opened all their presents, and they've been hanging out at home, and they're all in their matching pajamas, you know, like cool little Christmas thing. And it's Texas, right? So the weather's different. The, the, the yards are different. This little guy, Caden, says to his two little brothers, come on, guys, let's go outside. So they go out in the yard, and they take some newspaper. Caden takes his magnifying glass, and he puts it down on the newspaper. And guess what he did? He started a fire with that newspaper, which then spread to the grass in their yard. And their whole yard was on fire. 
And the boys, the little boys ran in the house, mom, dad, mom, dad, the yard's on fire, the yard's on fire. So if you look, the cool pictures on the internet are of the family out putting out the fire in their matching Christmas jammies. Isn't that sweet? (laughs) All because of where his focus was. Understand this, where you put your focus is what will be ignited in your life. Where are you going to put your focus in 2020? Are you going to try to be the queen or king of your kingdom? Because in the end, that's just going to fail. Is your prayer, our kingdom come, or your kingdom come? That little why makes all the difference, doesn't it? To focus and say, God, well, here's, here's what Jesus said. When Jesus wrapped up this whole teaching, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, he says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus said, I know you've got a lot of stuff you're interested in that you're focusing on, but here's what he said. Here's where I want you to start. If you'll focus on God's kingdom, that'll make all the difference, and you'll watch and see how God puts everything else in place in your life. Will you stand with me? Whether you're here in this room or you're in auditorium too, even if you're watching on a screen somewhere, help me out. Let's, let's just talk about this one more time. God, let your kingdom come to my head and my heart and my, and my, no, come on, and my, yeah, <laughs> don't do that. And, and my, and Father, that's our prayer. And Holy Spirit, you know how you've spoken to each one of us about this today. Lord, you know the places where where we need to be open to letting your word speak to our minds. And Lord, how some of us, the, the very best thing we could do is just have a good conversation with you. Lord, how you're calling some of us to, to set aside some of our appetites for a season to focus on who you are to allow you to be Lord of our finances and to not let fear keep us from what you're doing. But Lord, to really think about what our focus is in this season. Lord, may our prayer be more than just lip service. But God, would your kingdom come, your will be done in our lives on earth as it is in heaven. We're going to come back and we're going, to, we're going to sing the song that we learned a little bit earlier that talks about how he shall reign in our lives. And here's what I'd encourage you to do. Would you do more than just sing this? Would you make it a prayer in your life and say, God, would you let your kingdom come in, in a whole new, fresh way in my life in 2020? God, as we sing this, may it be more than just words, but would you do something powerful in our hearts as we resolve to see your kingdom come in our lives today? In Jesus' name. Let's sing this together and make it our prayer. The Lamb upon the
Father, that's our prayer, that your kingdom would come, that you would reign and rule in our lives. God, from head to toe, may we be people who say, God, your kingdom come, your will be done in my life on earth as it is in heaven. Now, Lord, as we go from here, would you go with us? Send us out with your special favor and with your wonderful peace. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, this Wednesday night at 7, we're going to be coming together for a special time of prayer and worship. If you're able to join us, I hope you'll be here. Have a great week. See you next Sunday.